This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise So welcome everybody Yes, yeah, that's it, shake it off Shake it on (laughs) Yeah, shake it on even Shake it up, shake it, shake it so welcome everyone to another Simon Transparently and today I am with the wonderful and I will say indeedly wonderful I've been absorbing Ilan Stefani for the last week by digesting digesting some of her content and wisdom via the interwebs and I welcome her to this beautiful podcast where today we should also be having a beautiful Q&A with our wonderful community members that are diving into our uh, diving on this call with us so welcome Ilan thank you so much for joining me today hmm Thank you for the invitation. I mean, I can join all of you. It's an amazing experience feeling the field and then like really entering a new living room where people have been living before and like being introduced to so many things at the same time feels very rich in this moment. Mm. Feel honored and excited. Yeah, and I mean, I have a whole list of notes, which I think I, if, if today's conversation goes well, I really hope that we can have many more because mm-hmm. every single video I watched of yours, I could take extract real juice that could then be mm. unpacked. And mm. I'm going to just dive in straight away with this beautiful um, collective trauma, perversion and confusion. Mm. And I'm going to say to you, what comes up when I say that? Because for me, trauma, Ilan, is such a, um, a, a kind of big taboo because mm-hmm. we're so scared of the word trauma. People say trauma, trauma. And yet I see that we are all trauma survivors. And mm-hmm. actually, when we can make peace with what trauma is and what it's teaching us. And I really love the way you, you break it down around mm-hmm. uh, trauma. So I just want us to start just right in the belly. Let's dive in there. Does that, how does yeah. that feel? Yes, I mean, trauma is a topic, it comes without a foreplay. So let's start without a foreplay, Simon. Exactly. It's like, I mean, trauma happened. Uh, We are scared by the topic of trauma because we are traumatized. There is no way around. And to some extent, I love us, especially us privileged ones, being here with a computer, being here with free time, being here with at least some kind of money. And us, you know, it's so easy for us to think that we can outsmart liberation, that we can be faster and a little bit more intelligent. And that just because maybe we didn't get beaten up in our childhood every day, maybe we kind of have it easier in life. And that's so fucking not true. Nobody wants to die. Everybody will die, period. Mm. And trauma I mean, everything, and it's still so much, like if you say like wonderful, Elan, it's it's still so much, it's, it's touching me so deeply because whatever I can share and whatever I feel driven to share comes from the dark nights. It comes from the wounding. It comes from the trauma. I have nothing else to offer but us inviting us to gather again and again around the dark places, not being there alone when the loneliness comes up and you will feel lonely inside, but you don't have to stand that alone. And if we manage to cultivate being together in terms of shadow and taboo and death, the bliss, the orgasm, that's an easy thing. And the beauty is, 
we are kind of, let me start differently. We come with trauma and you say the term perversion. The thing around trauma is, it is the twisting point. This is what we feel drawn to. We feel drawn towards the taboo, not because it's the taboo, because it's the highway back to truth. But we have to twist like in the spiral of a birth channel into, oh, I wanted love. Do I have to die? Yes, baby, because you want to love. I wanted to learn to orgasm. Do I have to to surrender to the shadow? Yes, baby, that's why. So the, the extreme, the absolute of light comes from the seemingly wrong direction of the darkest darkness. And that is why we can't outsmart things because our smartness comes from a dual perspective. Let me head towards the goal. And it's like, if you want to be fast, stop running around. If you want to be free, give up whatever you you have put into the way. And trauma teaches us, and I think, I mean, trauma to me, and I think for many people, it's such a humiliating experience. I'm just traumatized and afraid. <laughs> I wanted to be a heroine. <laughs> and with this humility, I learned to contain more and more intensity. And then, for example, you, it's just a minor example and just on my example, and that's not about the thing, but I want to outline that because it works for what I want to make clear here. I learned more and more to be nothing. And then you introduce me as somebody wonderful. And of course, all of us are wonderful, but that's now hitting my life. And I learned to stand here because I learned to stand to be nothing. Do you get that? Yes. It's really about if everything is deleted, you can stand everything. Yes. So we are trauma survivors and the story within the horror is what can happen? I was introduced to being invincible. Do you want to scare me with my death? I already died. I'm free. So if we, if we run towards the trauma faster, then it is chasing us. It turns out to be our blessing. And then trauma is the teacher that teaches me so much about love and self-love and feeling fearless and trembling at the same time. And then this is the medicine on the global level. And that is what I feel especially, last sentence, I promise, that is what I feel especially so moved around communities like the one that you and Dara are gathering or inviting the private happiness is not about the privacy. It is about a political statement. So to some extent, I can't stand topics anymore that are just about a small island. I want all of that being published. We talked enough about the glamour. I was bored by that. So let's, let's give this kind of small talk for play. So thank you so much. That's my, that's my input in, in trauma and perversion. My body is tingling all over. I don't know if anybody wants to put in the comments how that touched you. Don't don't even say that you're stopping. Don't don't stop. I'm like, don't even say I one more sentence. Just keep reeling. I mean, I just, don't even, just keep reeling off right now. You know, I'm I'm here in full um, receptivity. But I mean, I could, yeah. First of all, how you just broke down that the taboo is the doorway into our truth. I love that. Mm. That is just like... It's just, a spiral yeah. 
into the opposite and the opposite gives birth to what you wanted to head for in the first place. So it is you going with full force into surrender. That is why if you surrender into collapse, enlightenment, I want you to come to me. I cannot do anymore. It won't work because it's collapse. And if you're like meditating like a soldier, it's like, baby, you are looping. I mean, that's not interesting. So it is really, can you... Can you stand the intensity of letting go? It's it's it, it's really in the embodiment, in the field, underneath the mind and duality. It is one and the same. And you just stay present in the free fall. Just. Yeah. But it is it is written in our instincts. It's not a science. You do not need a guru for that. We know that. But unpacking what we know inside is the hard work because we are shocked by the layers of conditioning and we are shocked about insights into how counterproductive the conditioning in this culture is. I mean, just we learned everything the other way around, just everything. And that's a bit frustrating, <laughs> a bit heavy. Yeah, I love that so much. There's that, that there's that, this, there's a word that I always say is that if we really want to access some part of the truth, we have to flip the pancake because everything's back to front. And I have this, uh, yeah. this term that where, you know, you, you said it so poetically, but I would just, I think we can touch a bit more on it and go into it is this, this idea of death. And I love what you said is like, mm -hmm. you know, if I've already died numerous times, how can death be the only thing that you're trying to, mm -hmm. you know, fear me with? And so death for me is really, again, a concept, but when we see it as the access point to our liberation and access point mm -hmm. to our freedom and access point to actually being here and showing up fully, being the ecstatic being we are. And you said it so, um, yeah, that we are all defending our misery because we are mm -hmm. so much more comfortable with being small than with the truth that we are incredibly powerful. And I, and I think that I could repeat that time and time again, because, you know, we've heard it from other sages, messengers along the way that we are, you know, we, we are God, we're gods in the flesh. We have the great capacity to, uh, to create change, to create culture, to, to just, you know, to, to do so much more than the limited selves that we have believed ourselves to be through the indoctrination. And I just love us to just, yeah, let's just drop in there. What pops up for you when I share this? Yeah, I mean, we know all those things. Let, let me start with something that I also I, I like could have added in the first question around trauma and perversion. Yes. When we talk about, for example, our small talk culture or this kind of love it, light, la, la, la. Everybody likes that on Instagram and I'm so smart on Facebook. Why do we like that? The normal narrative in this culture is because people like to distract themselves from themselves. So they are busy with promise, they are busy with, with stories of others and with the beach pictures on Instagram channels of others. And I disagree. We get hooked into this game of small talk and love and light because in a perverted way, it still reflects back to us the closest our essence. It is about love. It is about life. And it is about pleasure and wellness. But not in a shallow way of me avoiding myself, but me after my death. So I somehow 
survive trauma and skip the death part and still have a, um, a shallow reflection of the truth that I lost in the nightmare. And that is that it is about love and light. So to some extent, our perversion around being addicted to wellness or being addicted to pleasure, it's an addiction because the drug is wiser than everything else in your life. Mm. So what we feel most ashamed of, you know, I have to overcome my bad habit. I have to overcome my drugs. You have to understand how intelligent you are by being addicted in the first place. Like top the drug instead of avoid it. Not drop the drug, like push it underneath because it is powerful, but get that you are even more powerful than the most powerful drug that comes from the outer world. Um... Give me a prompt on the, and then ask, and then, but, but the, the bridge to what you mentioned in the second place is what do I have to give up when I kind of being addicted to love and light and pleasure? And I want to stop defending my misery. I have to train my nervous system. I hope that I am a hard case in that because I couldn't say that often enough. And I think I come from so much disembodiment and so much dis dissociation from my nervous system that maybe I have to do this kind of homework stuff in an extreme way. However, that is what it comes down to. And that is also what worries me the most. Everybody wants to feel like a goddess and a god. Why do so, so many people like do not feel like a goddess and a god that they are. To me, it comes down to we are not tolerant enough anymore to standing the inner vastness, the inner infinity, the inner potential, the inner power. We, we freak out, we panic, we destroy happiness. If we would be able to tolerate more happiness, we would experience more happiness we are not blocking ourselves because we are stupid or disinterested, but we are physiologically not capable enough of that. So what frightens me around that is on the global level, we are running around with millions of solutions that would just solve every current global problem. We do not need more answers. We need to be able to contain the answer. At the moment, the human mankind, I think, is at a state of being so stressed out that we wouldn't tolerate the solution. We would make up the next climate change just because we cannot stand, we cannot orient without existential problems and are suppressing that. And on the individual level, it's also the same. I mean, to, to me, to put it into, into hard words, ecstasy is hard work. You have to give up so much for ecstasy. You have to die so many times. And of course, it's the most pleasurable teacher that you will ever be able to get. So it's worth it, but it doesn't come from, <gasps> yay, love and light, and I'm so healthy. It comes from you being, being a quivering trauma mess as well, having no money, having no hope, giving up. So for example, me, I feel so broken in so many, in so many levels of my life, or I feel there is so much that I could regret. And the topic is not how can I do it better next time? The topic is stop the regret. Stop the addiction to feeling shame, uh, full of shame, full of guilt and miserable. miserable. That is like use your shadows, use wherever you want to collapse. And like 
I am this broken man. I am this broken woman. I am this traumatized child. And I won't allow this fact to take away my softness and my inner power. It really comes from there. It's like the humiliation, if you enter this zone, feeling equipped for training there, it's not a pause to your ecstasy. It's your highway to ecstasy. It's your highway to the liberation. So it's, um, it's, I, I, what I would love to, to explore and to share and to connect around is what do we need nowadays in terms of soft skills in orientation in our psychic landscape and also in our nutrition, also in our self-care, etc., in order to rewire our nervous system for the inner, let's say, high electricity. Otherwise, it's, it's up here. But the, the never-ending fountain comes from deep within, and the deep within is what we suppress. I mean, that's suppressed. Nice. So it comes in another form than the form that we expect. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to say about that is, I think it's not so much a problem when things come up that are negative, because what we can call negative is already known. But what is a mess? What is chaos? What is disorientation? What is kind of blurry? Nothing is like it has been, but I don't know how it is now. This kind of messy, weird underground without any structure, that's way more difficult. So I think you getting angry, for example, you might have learned that men who are angry are negative and now you can celebrate your power of anger. But it's another story when words are fading away because everything is just absorbed in an inner vague thing where you can't see anything. So standing the night without the form, I think that's a level that we can master easily when we work together. And it's very difficult for individuals, I think, to feel fully alone there and still staying with the instinct that says, keep dying, keep dying, keep dying. Mm -hmm. And then, then the night is over way faster than we expect, way faster. Trauma is so full of grace, so soon. It's mm -hmm. just, just allowing this kiss. It's not difficult. It's just unused what we are talking about. It's really not difficult. It's yeah, not a long process. Yeah, beautiful. Let's let's stay there actually. And and there was something else you you uh, mentioned. So so you've kind of like touched on the perversion. You've kind of yeah. You definitely touched on the confusion. However, I'd like us because you know I I feel you and I both talk a lot about this idea or idea or this going inside the inner landscape. Right. This it is. And, and you say it's not um, it's not difficult. And I know from, you know, firsthand of mm -hmm. working with individuals, as I know you do, that what, when, when they're in the trauma zone, when they're in the red zone, let's call it, and they're having these experiences, then they can't see anywhere out. There, there's mm -hmm. confusion. It doesn't seem simple. It seems like mm -hmm. this is going to, you know, as you know, terrorize them. It's like they, mm -hmm. they, they identify it with so much. I mean, I call it the pain body um, mm -hmm. in, in term of essence or the wounded tenderness yeah. or the wound. And we, we, they plug into that place. And then the amount of stories that come from there and the identification that comes from that pain, they're not seeing it as eloquently and poetically as you've described. And I, so I'd love you to talk about that because 
from your experience, of course, of working with others and your own um, personal experiences of, yeah, how, how we can give a perspective of seeing that ease and embracing that invitation to mm-hmm. die as opposed to just running, you know, as fast as we can from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if there is such a super privileged situation, like, for example, working with you as a guide, I could just open my eyes and Simon, with the word world keep going around when I die now. And then you say, yes, Elon, this is a completely normal process. Keep dying. So, I mean, in that way, if you if you are blessed with pers- with people, guides in your life that take over the, the role of being an orienter, then keep dying. But that's, I mean, that's amazing. People who know I can fully trust you and then can let go because to some extent, then you are in the role of a shaman for death. And I think that is where the shamanic and the mystic wisdoms, wisdom cultures are so needed nowadays because the, uh, how do you say that? Mm. I use another word, the infrastructure for this process, the science for this process. It's a well-known thing for thousands of years. So we can describe that in every possible tradition from Earth, but not in our westernized scholarship culture. So that is what falls, uh, what, what blocks the process. But I want to start from another, or I want to answer from another perspective. Let's say there is no guide given. There is no session that I can pay. There is nobody crying with me and guiding me I'm just dying freaking alone in the desert and in the cold at the same time Um, um, and I think it turns out to be an individual taste of flavor for individuals but coming from my own experience I have the impression life works and your instincts work in those zones without you needing to be in the consciousness state sorry for my complicated English but I think that is how I can get through what I want to say the consciousness level of I am in full consent death come on I can take it I will train that's still me being Elon and it's still me feeling that I'm a voluntary individual agreeing to be in a tough process to some extent that is not close enough to death when I'm close enough to death and that is the essence of trauma you are not Elon you are not a word you are not a human being you are nothing you have never been. You are everything. It's like it's like you 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 never forget that infinity loves you and laughs at you at the same time. So to some extent, trauma is also the introduction to um, to you being everything. The ticket is you agreeing to being nothing. But we already touched on that. So what I want to say here is. When you are in the red zone and you keep agreeing, it's like life testing you and you're offering a little finger, a little bit closer to death, it's okay. (laughs) And then somehow life takes over and takes you the rest and you are not in charge around agreeing anymore or not. Putting that into a concrete example, I think from, I think many people, but for example, me, we we can touch and I think all of us can touch and go into spaces that are defined in this culture as insanity, as sick, as, as mental, mental illness. I mean, the amount of yeah insanity or, okay, this is, this is a suicidal mood. 
this is a schizophrenic mood, etc. We can go there. It's it's pretty easy. Um, and and there is something of me me experiencing this kind of dissolution and feeling my instincts stay with the heartbeat. So to some extent, I feel I won't stop. I just won't stop here. And it's not about me because I said, I decided I won't stop, but because I know that my being is run underneath of my neocortex and consent anyway. I mean, all the time. Your heartbeat not even once asked you for permission, for good reasons. So the moment that we are in charge around deciding, we are already, I could say in rough terms, and of course that is not when it comes to consent and not consent amongst humans, of course. But when I feel in charge and empowered around um, deciding stuff for my life, I'm already on a superficial level to some extent. Or, or, when we look at the depth of transformation that's possible and available for us. So for me, when you ask, how could I encourage somebody? I mean, give good reasons to the very nervous system to trust you and know that you have done your homework. So I think both things are given when I, for example, tune in you as being my guide. It's like, okay, I can test you. I could get a real feedback from your nervous system. My instincts know, okay, he knows about death. He knows about ecstasy. I can go there and I want to be guided there. And then from a certain point on, it's no more about you or me talking in words. And it's no more about you and me checking in, is that still okay? Because my instincts are leading you as well. If we if we construct for here a session where you are guiding me through a death experience or a healing experience, which is the same thing when it turns out to be, to be safe and contained and known as the territory. Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with roles, the guide and the client, and then the instincts of the dying one become the teacher and the guide. And that's a very natural process to both. So to some extent, the question, how can I give orientation is you are oriented underneath the word. So the moment you lost orientation, true orientation takes over. I think that's the kind of remembrance mm. that we can mm. that we can access there. <laughs> uh, mm. So <clears throat> tell me if I'm hearing you right, because I also want to uh, unpack this a tiny <clears throat> time will fly fast, but we can stay in one area of, of each of the points that you shared there. So the dying process, this, this, this idea of trauma, or if I'm hearing you right, this idea of trauma is an invitation into death. <clears throat> it's also how I interpret it. It's already been the experiences of trauma. If I speak of my own experiences, were death moments, they were dying moments for mm -hmm. me, yeah. They were dying moments anyway. But they were also massive, massive, massive resistance to what was happening to me. I didn't like what was happening to me. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a willingness to die uh, in those moments. 
And also, there was absolutely no awareness that these were opportunities for transcendence or opportunities for growth or, or just opportunities to, to actually dissolve the facade, the, the false personas, the lies, the, the indoctrinations that I've picked up and accumulated along the way. So am I hearing you right that saying, regardless of whether we've got guides or not, if we can reframe the uh, trauma as an invitation to see beyond some of the, uh, I'm going to use the words, I know you sometimes use the words insanity or, or, or these false beliefs that are actually disorientating us and blocking us from the true potential and power that we already are underneath um, you know, the, the illusion of trauma, actually, or the illusion of, of um, our identification to our pain. <clears throat> that, I don't know, that's coming up. I don't even know if you, if you want to you know, take it somewhere else. But I, I really, yeah, I kind of like just hearing the way that you're, yeah, you're just reframing trauma for me in a, in a very beautiful way. So if there's anything else you want to mm -hmm. contribute to that or mm -hmm. does that feel yes. aligned? Yes, um, it's it's beautiful because, for example, just what's happening here is, is such a precious, wonderful example of how trauma is a moment of creation because you reframing what I said, or maybe another person reframing what you said, it always creates an own universe of truth and models and, and dancing with those terms. So that's in itself so beautiful. And so in that way, nothing like uh, I disagree or I agree. I just want to, to jump into this other creational universe that's circling over here and just connecting with this over richness. Um, to me, I would like to add the term initiation or introduction. It's like trauma. It is true. Trauma produces many false beliefs, false self-images, layers of armor around. It also happens to an already traumatized nervous system in most cases. Mm. So it's still, um, it still, it feeds the, the wounds that haven't been digested and that are there from the past. And then like, yeah, there is a whole complex wounded being hit by another trauma. Also, when you are newborn, you are, the, it's written in your nervous system, the stress of your grandparents, etc. So to some extent, we are all already born with wounding inside. And at the same time, there is this paradox role or this two-phase God trauma of it also deletes the false self-images. It also erases the illusion. So it is a moment that, it, that not puts you into closer contact with truth, but it is truth. So to some extent, the moment you are dead, you are already there because when you are at one point, the opposite is already there. To some extent from there, there is no other movement needed. And when you say there was no awareness around, I wanted that, yay, traumatize me, initiate me to my truth and inner power. I mean, th then it would be a party. Then we would talk about love and light instead of trauma. So to some extent, <laughs> trauma is defined as, I wanted this to happen the least. Yeah. And people know that. People who design wars, people who design revenge, we know exactly what others want to happen the least. I mean, that's that's how we inherit trauma. Mm. Um, 
And still, there is an overestimation of, in this case, your role of awareness. You don't need to be aware of, oh, I'm introduced to a special transition phase in my life. Me, Simon, I'm beaten up as a child. You don't need that. And of course, we are, we are, well, I know that I'm touching very, very dangerous territory right now because the last thing that I want is putting any sense of glamour on the nightmare of violence and abuse that so many of us go through in childhood. So the moment we are talking about awareness or being grateful or whatever, we have to really go slow. And I, me coming also from physical and sexual violence experiences, it is just, I mean, it, it's just, as you say, it is a full death experience, period. And if you do not stop with being smart and mm, 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 good news around that, you somehow just miss the topic. Mm. So that's, it's, it's really, um, it's really going there. We need to bow so much to these teachers and survivors and moments so much more than we can add with our wisdom or our words. Mm. And still, when we say, I mean, us who are privileged enough to have survived, I mean, we survived because we are joined here by each other in a Zoom call, we have survived. The huge story is we survived better equipped for the richness inside than before. So it's not about glamorizing or justifying or explaining why somebody did something to you. It was just a nightmare and just wrong to abuse you. It was just wrong. But that doesn't mean that you have to give away the gifts that this experience can have for you. To some extent, I would say the best revenge is healing in a stronger way than how we entered the trauma in the first place. And I, I like that because revenge is still, if this is about who of you is an asshole, it's definitely you. I was a child. I, I trust you and you knew what you did. And I will never forgive. I will never forgive. And I will always hate you. I mean, there is a kind of freedom of staying with that instead of going to radical forgiveness, blah, blah, blah. And still, I can leave the scene and unwrap something that's a treasure box inside. And that's only mine. And I'm still free to hate you. So I like the kind of revenge because it's an unenlightened term and maybe an unenlightened, um, an unenlightened state. But it gives me my dignity of... I'm as happy as I decide to be. Thank you so much. And you are not in charge around that. So our, our relationship to trauma is not about um, being walking healers and full of gratitude, but it is, I love the term or the, or the moment, the frequency of rage. It is about, I love only myself, but I love myself so much that I rediscover how it is to be a goddess. And from there, of course, it's then an overflowing thing. I think, um, I think we, the, the most egoistic motivation for us diving into our trauma is still the most beautiful one. And that's also another, another beautiful example for what we touched on um, a few minutes ago in this conversation. What we try to overcome in this culture is being egoistic. And why are we egoistic? 
because egoism puts us closer towards our essence of inner power than anything else. So I would say, let's top the drug of egoism by being even more egoistic, being really egoistic. And if humans would live up also on an individual and global level to real egoism, we would save the world because we want to have fun. I mean, just... We are not destroying the planet and burning it down because we love ourselves, but because we hate ourselves. I mean, just everything else doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's unwrap the essence of egoism and we would overcome the false, weak egoism of Wall Street assholes overnight. I mean, that's easy. <laughs> Crack is boring when we tune into what's, what is available inside. What's boring? Crack. Heroin, speed, it's boring. Yeah. Yes, of it's course. It's boring. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, but, but we, we get that when we are topping the drugs instead of trying to stay away and stay sober. I mean, ecstasy is a sober thing. What mm. we call sober is depressed. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot there. I love it. And I want to, in a moment... Soon I'm going to bring some, some questions in, but I want us, there's a couple of things popping that are still alive in me from what you just shared. And yeah, so when we, so first, so first of all, maybe a, a, a little essence, I know people can watch, watch other uh, talks of you expressing, but you, you expressed some of your own trauma around uh, sexual trauma, am I right? And your own experiences at whatever ages they were. Can you just say in your own words how you, because I'm guessing the same as me, when you were traumatized, you didn't have the awareness you have now or even mm -hmm. the, the intellect or the journey you've been on, right? It's taken you, your trauma has led you, as you said at the beginning of the call, your trauma has led you to who you are today, now doing what you're doing and sharing around the world and going into embodiment and sort of dissecting uh, reality as you do. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious, like, around your how you, uh, yeah, just how you unpacked your trauma initially, how you unpacked it initially, because mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's kind of like the generic way, the sort of, you know, the societal way of doing it, right? You know, like we go to therapy, blah, 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 whatever, we end up just being an arse and so on, or we go narcissistic and we go deep into drugs, alcohol, what, you know, there's these sort of like kind of default ways. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'd love to hear from, for myself actually just, yeah which what, what where, where did you go with that and, and I've never heard that the way you describe the revenge and the um the kind of like I know I still fucking hate you and you did wrong and I'm gonna claim I'm gonna hold my power in that as opposed to forgiving which is a which is a term that I would I would probably use and through that radical forgiveness relinquishing the you know the the um resentment and the um, anger and rage that I still have mm -hmm. towards that person for abusing me, for example. Mm -hmm. does, that, does that make sense? Can we just go into yeah. that a little? Yes, of course. I mean, again, it's such an individual thing. So if radical forgiveness works for some people, it's great. I think if we heal one trauma, we heal to some extent the whole matrix of perversion and confusion and suffering anyway. So in that way, let's say I was abused because I played to be a good girl and I shouldn't have done that in the situation. Then it might happen that I heal the abuse, but I do not heal the whole stuff because I'm a good student 
student in therapy. And I heard over and over again, especially from women, but also from men in my retreats and courses, like, I know he didn't mean that. She had also a rough childhood. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. You are still a good boy. Stop being a good boy. That's a trauma in the first place. So in that way, I'm just super, super skeptical when it comes to us handing over healing paradigms like radical forgiveness. It's true. You are an enlightened God and there is no reason for judging somebody else. However, is that useful for you in this phase of your healing? Yes or no? And in most cases, no, because radical forgiveness will come up when it's ready. And the moment of you pushing there is you re-traumatizing yourself by putting yourself under pressure. So that is why access one trauma as the reflection as the drop where you can hold the whole ocean of trauma, all your trauma and the whole global human trauma and trauma of living beings. You somehow have access to everything in the web at the same time because you are on point. So coming from there, I just want to say truth and truth is not so much a useful thing because what I consider to be more useful in terms of us talking about healing is what is useful, what is practically shifting something away from suffering, changing something. That's like, how do we unblock? How do we get unstuck? So because um, what I want to mention is something that I think is not so often talked about. Mm your healing from trauma introduces you to how traumatized and unhappy and addicted to suffering the rest of the world is as well. Mm. So what we do when we try to recover from trauma, we say, can you be my therapist who doesn't project on me, who doesn't have bad sexual fantasies, blah, 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 blah. We always look for the God because we feel like being trapped with the evil. And that does never work. It never works. You heal into the maturity of containing everything at the same time. So to some extent, you're coming from the most humbling experience of your life and you want to reach the life of the good ones who have a functioning life and a loving family and get along and have a nine to five job and enough money. And this world doesn't work. It's even more traumatized than you are. So to some extent, us taking pride in our dysfunctionality, I think that would lift a lot of burden that normally traumatized people are running around with because it's like, I'm slow in healing and I'm like, this world does never support anything in true healing terms. It's, it's basically about setting you back on track in order to make you function like a robot, which right. is way worse than the hell you survived. So don't settle down for less. Do not go back into another prison. It's just a prison that looks a little bit more pretty, mm. but, but it costs you the even more. So it is really about mm. overcoming the numbness. And in my, just, I want to quickly mention that mm. I came from, from numbness, being stuck in my head, et cetera, feeling completely unalive and cut from my body and my feelings. And then in a total subconscious way or unconscious way, I just did everything I could in order to break free, in order to feel myself being alive, which means I did something effective in the first, in the first um, 
like firsthand effective because I watched, I, um, I joined sex parties in Berlin, but I also had traumatizing experiences there. So yes. to some extent, I used the wake up call of, of trauma in order to overcome the numbness. And I think I would do that. Uh, many of us do that over and over again in their life. Mm -hmm. But it is really seeing that trauma is a multi-layered thing. And you, you kind of even choose being close to trauma and risk or even choose to get traumatized again, like exposing yourself, offering yourself again to death because you need the medicine. You just need something that proves that life is not about functioning. And it's like nobody told me. Like I paid every guru in the world. It doesn't work. So what do you want me to go to? And then you go towards your death and then your death is there and it hurts and it kills and it wounds you and it provides you with everything that you wanted to see. So I just, just me like, just stay with this first chapter. Let's stay for this moment, these five minutes with these, the first chapter of me reawakening after my numbness. I'm proud about having managed a way out of the numbness, but I paid a high price. And all of us have to do that on some level. And I'm not lemmerizing sexual trauma at all. I mean, trauma is trauma. It's not about sex, it's about trauma. Um, so, but, but just giving a, a bigger picture of the multi-layered, multifunctional position of trauma in biography and also in the world around. If you are waiting for paradise in order to heal, you won't heal because paradise is burned right now and we have to do something about that and i think that's also what we are gathering around yeah whoa nice deep breath on in that for mm. those listening yeah and i just want to say that today you know uh, ilan and i showed up in our first um, i hope of many conversations and uh, i really wanted to go dive into trauma because ilan for me really speaks about it so uh, vividly freshly and, and gives a complete different reframe to what trauma means and as many people I've spoken to before and I've often it's just the trauma hasn't come up and uh, and I just want to say for those listening that Ilan's work and, and my work is very much steeped in uh, pleasure and being an ecstatic mm -hmm. being and accessing our pleasure potential and the power that we possess as 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 creative beings and so uh, there will be another talk on that, but I felt that if we didn't first go into the belly of trauma, I don't really feel that there's any real ecstatic uh, talk to have. I don't know if you if you mm, agree with that, yeah. Ilan, but that's that's yeah. how it felt today. It's very connected. It's yeah. like teaching the same thing. Yeah. Like ecstasy teaches you death as well, but you miss it because you prefer to have a shallow party. I mean, talking from my own experience, it's like you don't have to die. You don't have to go to the wounding, but it ends up of you having to go there because you choose to not go there when you have the good time. Right. But, but if, you would, if you would die in ecstasy, it would do the same job. Beautiful. Okay, well, if there's any questions that you've already got, pop them in the comments. We're going to dive into the Q&A now. Hi, Ilan. Nice to meet you. Um, I have a, sm a small question. You started the conversation by saying you can't outsmart liberation. Can you speak a little bit more to that, about that? Yeah, thank you. I mean, coming from my own experience, I think we think 
there is a fast way, let's say, to enlightenment. I don't like the word, but it's it's kind of, I mean, we want to be independent with our sense of inner happiness and freedom. And there is always, oh, I'm doing this meditation or I'm waking up every day at this and that, uh, like AM, and that is why. And like, maybe waking up in a disciplined way and doing your meditation is just your comfort zone. And for others, the comfort zone is, being lazy so then for the lazy one it's good to wake up in the morning and meditate and for others the hard workout starts when it's thought are you okay with being useless with being lazy with being a mess enlightenment will ask you that or let's say liberation it will ask you to give up whatever is your comfort zone and maybe beating yourself up with discipline or spiritual practice is your comfort zone so then train eating cheeseburgers. It's it, We are always in a kind of, mm, 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 I'm a good student with that. And whatever you are proud about, it will have to die. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the question, Anna. Lovely to have you here. Anybody else? Vanessa yes. or Paul? Um, have you ever worked, Ilan, with uh, depression, with people who are depressed? Um, because I think depression is, is like a resistance to dying, more mm. or less. But I'm interested in, have you ever worked with clients like this? And, and how can you give maybe guidance to dying if, mm. if people are depressed? Mm, thank you. I feel first things, uh, like two things. First of all, you seem to be a way better expert than me when it comes to the term of depression. Second of all, just ask, um, answering your question briefly, no, I never worked with people especially dedicated to the topic of depression. And until today, for good reasons, I think I wouldn't have the self-confidence for doing so because I'm not trained enough in those clinical terms. What I refer to those topics around insanity, consciousness, depression, etc., is always coming from an energetic kind of reading the thing and from an energetic perspective maybe my answer is still useful and then it is like we are born with the opposite of depression which is constant change and in our outer world being in a very adventurous kind of dialogue or back and forth um, energetic exchange depression is dimming this amount of flexibility so depression is it's repetition, which is an artificial, like an unnatural frequency in our nervous system, which is, a, is meant to change and to be highly flexible. So if, if you are right, and I do not know, but it's, it's wonderful hearing that from you, a depression is a resistance to death. Still with resistance, I would try to disturb with all tools that are given to me or whomever to disturb the repetitive repetitiveness. I would try to disturb this in order to make some kind of creating some kind of chaos. So what I would try in practical terms is not go more into death because the person is already fading away in a kind of, I do not want to live. And dying is not about not wanting to live. It is about embracing life that radically, that death is included and cho chosen in the first 
place as an access portal to life and love and freedom. So from depression, I would try to raise the bar. I would try to force the nervous system to jump up, like jump into aliveness instead of death in order to create a maximum difference to the to the shallow breathing in the first place. So my my uh, encouragement would not be, ah, oh, wow, we are coming from party and now we are depressed and keep dying, 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 because that would kind of be misunderstood as collapse, 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 collapse. But I was like, wow, coming from party, something happened. And you stopped breathing. <gasps> like up, 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 up with the energy. Up, up, up with the chaos. With all for all costs, and I think I think coming from this, <gasps> whoa, this is how vibrancy feels with this um, update in the nervous system. It's easier to orient to what matters to the person, and I think that's in any case life, which includes, of course, being ready to die. Yeah, that's thank my, you. Thank you. Thank you for your interest in that topic. Feels very, very deep. Mm. <clears throat> Anybody else? Amazing. Yes. Oh, uh, come on, Maria. Um, you have a question. I can feel it. You have a question, no? I do have one, but a bit. Okay, <laughs> wait there, wait there. <laughs> I had a feeling. Well, it's it's. I, I don't know if it's it's. Um, it's a real question. I hear you say, Ilani, that um, you can't force yourself into forgiveness nor into liberation or maybe into awakening. Um, I just wonder if, to your experience for yourself or with clients, there's something you can do to enhance it or to, because I'm 50 and I only can liberate myself from the things that I'm ready to liberate right now, even mm -hmm. though. I've been doing the job for 27 years mm -hmm. and I think there's some kind of dedication but I would love to have your view upon it what what can we do to just um, mm. support ourselves in the best possible way I think I mean two things come to my mind and I think they are very connected first of all is something that we are having here it's a community that celebrates the chaos more than the functioning it celebrates the change and doing it wrong more than staying on track and I think that's something we, we sacrifice our essence so we sacrifice the fact that we are liberated inside for the sake of staying in touch with the outer world because we are born as lovers <laughs> so we are like if you stop receiving my love I would give up everything in order to make that happen again and that is how we give up everything which is the remembrance of us being in our essence so the moment that there is an outer world saying love me in whatever kind of wrong weird way that you are you can be insane and you can be somebody else tomorrow just love me i'm here like if we have this kind of celebration in the community like in this one for example i think that's a medicine because then we can stop with a compromise between inner and outer world and we are like ah oh, wow i'm learning the even more from you the less you hold back so <gasps> keep on keep challenging me me, keep loving me all of that and the other thing is mm, training uh, training to get more conscious around how addicted we are to think in bad terms about ourselves mm. so it's all about 
yes, shadow work. But when it comes to my shadow, no, I won't share. It's no. It's like we are like, yes, it is about the ugly parts and it is about the secrets. But when it comes to my secrets, no. So if we manage in a circle of friends or people to throw the love with full love and care into those places where I thought this is really where love ends. This is really where the good Elan or the good Maria or whomever ends. If we manage a way through to each other into those wounded places, I think that's every time a healing bomb. It's really immeasurable in the amount of power that that has. So what, what I think, what I would love to to work more specifically about is the hidden epidemic or epidemia or pandemia of us thinking bad about humans, us thinking bad about ourselves. We are, we are so convinced about the fact that we are bad beings and we are so not. So, but, but if we keep carrying that on, then even me working on myself has a taste of self-punishment. And even my discipline has a sense of self-hatred. So that's a tragic thing. And I think these two things are things that we can support each other in. Not feeling alone, but having a community. And second of all, let's become more and more aware for we are not a walking problem. We are a walking contribution. We do not feel like that. We got that. However, we are a walking contribution. If we, if we keep discussing inside with those things, we do not want enough. We, are, we, we do not want enough. And that means eventually, again, we will burn paradise if we manage to find it again, just because we don't deserve it. And if we don't deserve a solution, then we are fucked. I mean, on a global level, in very, very scientific, realistic terms in a few years. So there is something very practical in us also. When, when I hear you are 27 years of dedication, wow, you are a walking treasure. And I think you know. And I think we are in such a good era of us stepping into that with, with global impact because it has this global impact anyway. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Oh, and the last thing maybe is exactly that, just, just to emphasizing that one more time. Healing is not a private thing. It's not about your childhood trauma. It's about something that's of global importance and so essential. So if I'm like, uh, I'm of global importance, I mean, I have a lot of trauma. That is what I can offer. Okay, that's a ticket. Go. This, this kind of pride in the first place, I think it's something that would add the fun to the adventure. Mm. Thank, Thank you. So you. All right. Beautiful. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, first of all, thank you, everybody, that come on. And Maria, that was so juicy. And I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and hearing Ilan speak to, to your offering. And I say this all the time, and I know it's like, it's really hard when what you just described, Ilan, is this sense of coming from this already problematic, broken, unworthy, we're not enough, you know, uh, mentality, the story of imperfection and so on. When I say to people, whatever it is that you are doing, doing, uh, being, uh, if you're meditating, if you're dancing, if you're playing with yourself, whatever it is, what would it be like? 
to do it from the place that you're already whole and complete. Mm. You're already whole and complete. And I say it all the time and I know it just goes whoosh over the top of the heads because when we go and meditate or we sit or we write or we walk or we do it from that truth, because I feel at the core, this is the truth for me, that we are already complete. We are, we are born in completion. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like so. So I just like that was just sparked actually from Maria's mm. yours dialogue. So, yeah, if you want to speak to that, feel free. But we will wrap it up in a moment. So, yeah, I mean, just just a brief um, like comment or, or something that I, I feel drawn to add to that. It's so beautiful and it's tricky to call it a story because it is a story and it is an illusion. And that doesn't mean that it's shallow or right. that it doesn't have any weight. It's deeply written in your nervous system. So if I hear you saying, Elon, you are already complete and it's like it's going there, then it's not going there. But my my nervous system is like just it, it just can't it can't meet that in the frequency right. so then it's about a physical let's say the weird word detox of holding on to the stress i have to work on myself and then it is a physiological transformation and the sad news is physiological transformation it needs your dedication it needs your humbleness it needs you listening to yourself as if you would already love yourself and the good news is whatever is transformed in a physiological way it will stay there forever mm. it, if you found it in a physiological way of rewriting stuff and story in your nervous system you have won this is transformation that will last and last and last so there is no deeper way of really reintegrating who you are. Beautiful. Yeah. So I think that I would like to, yeah, in closing, I'm going to mm. just share a few of your words, which is that um, I love what Ilan said on one of her offerings. She said, it truly thrills me how deeply embodiment can update what human beings are made of. It's a cultural belief system of saying humans are a walking problem, greedy and egoistic. And Ilan would say no. There are more, the more we tap into the treasures of embodiment, the more we reawaken to our essence, which is mm -hmm. being generous, being loving, not aggressive or too aggressive, but being powerful, but in such an effective way. And so with that in mind, I'd like to say thank you thank you to mm. everybody that has been with us listening thank you so much on the, oh. on, the, on the replay in the community um if you've loved this conversation this community uh, co-creation please share it on to your friends and if you're listening to this and you're not part of the community then feel free to come over to the beloved tribe and get involved and dive in with this uh this conscious community where we're showing up and offering our gifts in the potential and opportunity of what it means when we are awakened, enlivened, alive beings, owning it all, taking full responsibility and saying, I matter. Thank you for listening to another episode of Simon Transparently. This podcast is a call to action, a call into sovereignty, a call to speak our truth and love ourselves fiercely and for us all to rise up together as love. If you are resonating with my offerings, you can support me by becoming a patron, for which I would be deeply grateful, 
And you can access more of my content at simontransparently.com. You can also join our online community at thebelovetribe.com. This is where we get to be a little bit more intimate, share our gifts and practice what it means to be love. This is our time to rise.